Hello and welcome to Concert Pipeline. That's Yen Schiphol. And that is Steve Jones. And today, Yen's on the podcast, we have an artist named Ole Koretsky. Uh, and uh, I had a good talk with him. He uh, lives in the uh, Brooklyn, uh, Manhattan area. And uh, yeah, we're going to get into that in a little bit. But uh, before nice. we do, yeah, I know you, you have a story you're itching to tell. So... Oh. Itching away, yes, yes. Well, it's not like a super, super exciting story, but it is sort of something totally unexpected. Um, and uh, it was uh, quite an, an enjoyable experience. Oh, do tell. Are you ready for this? I am on the edge of my seat. Oh, my God. Well, it's, I don't know if it's edge of the seat exciting. I can't say that it's edge of the seat exciting. You've, you've built this up, so I'm... You know. All right. All right. I, I don't want to hype this shit up too much, but have I ever told you that uh, when I was younger than you, I used to play tennis? You, I mean, you did like yesterday uh, when I when you when you were like, "Hey, I'm gonna play tennis tomorrow," and I'm like, "Do you know what tennis is?" <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I did text you, so I did play tennis. I uh, and when I. Okay, let me preface this. <clears throat> when I say I played tennis, it means that uh, my wife, whose name is Honey Bunny, not to be mistaken mm-hmm. with the Honey Bunnies from Pulp Fiction. Okay. Totally different. Yeah, totally different. different different ones. But, um, right, so she's been taking lessons uh, for a couple of weeks now. Uh, so she goes once or twice. Uh, her teacher, is his name is Dave, and he's 82 years old. And um, oh, now I remember the text message stream that I that I that we were exchanging. Yeah, so you know, I thought this is great. This guy is 82 years old. He's you know out there. He's giving tennis lessons. Uh, you know, he's got his game on. And I was thinking, gosh, you know, if I ever am lucky enough to make it to 82, you know, would I want to be that active, especially in you know this the the uh, California heat. Um, all day long, every day, and, you know, give people tennis lessons. I mean, you don't want to do it when you're 50, and so uh, <laughs> I don't think I don't see you doing that when you're 82. Just, right. I've so, only spent the know, last decade as one of your friends, you know, but... Uh, <laughs> right. I know, so... I've uh, never right, seen you pick so up a tennis racket shit, in that man, 10 years. I keep on forgetting that I'm freaking 50. That's insane. I won't anyway. let you forget, so... Yeah, okay. Don't tell anyone, man. It's a well-kept secret. Okay, yeah. Well, it was before I had my birthday, I guess. Anyway, <clears throat> gotta stay young at heart. Yeah. This was supposed to be a short story. I don't know why it's getting so long. So, uh, <laughs> Dave. My point, my point is, if I were to start uh, teaching tennis, I don't have the skills to do that. But if <laughs> you'd I have did, to start playing before you start teaching, right? Like, I mean, is right? This... Exactly. Okay. You got to get like the playing part out of it. Otherwise, you don't know what to teach, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, so. Uh, um, Anyway, so if I am 60 or 70 or 82 and, uh, you know, I'm still able to walk around and swing a racket, then I would still need some extra motivation to teach tennis. Like, like there'd have to be or some sort of reward. Like I go home and I can eat some chocolate, you know, or uh, and pat myself on the back for training some, you know, new people and giving them a good experience, you know, or I could, um, you know, just cross my fingers and hope that, like, all the chicks are wearing cute outfits or something, you know, something to look forward to. Yeah, as, kind of like as opposed to the fat old men like, you know, our president when he gets out on the tennis court, right? 
Right, 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 right. Yeah, kind of make it, you know, an environment more like if you're at Wimbledon or the U.S. Open, where you have the formal outfits and stuff. I mean, that would be fun. You're kind of, uh, you know, whatever. That would be just some motivation. So, you know, I thought it would be great to uh, maybe buy my wife something like that, just to help this guy out. <laughs> uh huh. Okay. That's not my story. I mean, this is like not my story, but I just wanted to get back to that text message thread. You know, yeah. I, I'm the kind of guy who would would you know uh, buy that for my wife, and she'd have a lot of fun wearing it. And um, you know, maybe Tennis Dave in '82 would uh, would enjoy that kind of thing. But you hey. didn't. You didn't buy that for your wife, is what you're telling me. No, but maybe I'll have like a, a, a story for another pod where I did. You know, uh, I used to go to Sports Authority to buy sports stuff, but that place doesn't exist anymore, so I don't even know where to go. Was that the last time you were in a sports stuff. sports store, Jens? <laughs> like, where? What's the? What is the sports store people go to now? Like, I went into Big Five. They had five like tennis rackets. Uh huh. That place sucks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's Big Five. There's uh, uh, Sportsman's Warehouse, I think, right? Like, yeah, no. I don't know if they're really like tennis people though maybe uh, I, don't, I don't know sports basement there's amazon anyway. yeah so, anyway so what i wanted to say what, so let me get to my story so what i wanted to say was that um so my wife and i uh, quote unquote played tennis with the tennis ball machine so the tennis ball machine was on one side of the court right and the net was in the middle and then we were sort of playing doubles side by side with the tennis ball machine and the tennis ball machine was to set up kind of rapid fire to each of us a tennis ball, right? To go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And mm-hmm. then we could like switch sides and try our like backhand and forehands and stuff. And dude, I sucked so badly. <laughs> like, you have no idea how many balls I completely missed. I-, I can picture. I can picture, yeah. So You've got to picture me. Like, I'm dorky anyway, right? Like, tall, dorky guy, mm-hmm. flailing limbs, and oh my God, now he looks even bigger because he's swinging this racket around. And, uh, but I tell you, after maybe 10 minutes of missing tons of balls and failing, I started hitting some of them, maybe kind of on the side of the racket or on the handle. Uh But, you know, I started getting back into the whole flow of what tennis was like for me when I was 19 or whatever that was. And it's that muscle memory just started coming back. And dude, at the end of the hour, Uh I was knocking these things out of the park. And when I say knocking them out of the park, yes, I had a bunch that did go over the fence and into the bushes. So okay. you, so you do know that you know, the goal of tennis is not to hit it out of the park, right? Well, somebody said this isn't golf, you know? Okay. So I kind of got the hint. Okay, the tennis, 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 tennis. And ball control, ball control. Uh-huh. And, um, uh, you know, my, 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 my first objective was to hit the damn ball. And then... Um, and then maybe I'll work on the aim later. And then by the end of the, you know, by the end of the hour, I was sweating profusely in this crazy hot sun. But, um, dude, I, I, that muscle memory came back, and I uh, was doing some pretty good forehands, doing some pretty good, uh, you know, backhands. And um, I'm hooked. Okay, so I'm hooked. So I need to know before we move forward in the story. Let's go back to when you were 19. Were you playing in college? Were you like, uh, how were you? Was this something you were actively into? Tell me a little bit about that. Okay, so um, 
Uh, yes, it started in college, although I did play with my dad, you know, in high school just for fun because there was a tennis court just down the street. We could walk to it. It was a public court. didn't cost anything. And, um, you know, he would give me one of his rackets to play with. And my dad, he's one of these guys that never buys anything new unless he absolutely has to, right? So his tennis rackets are from 1960 or 70 or whatever. Tennis rackets were still made out of wood. Right. <laughs> there are these tiny wood paddles. You're right. The tennis rackets today are twice as large. It's so much easier to hit a tennis ball with these larger rackets. Sure. But so that's kind of how I learned. He sort of just taught me this and that and... Um, whatever i had a terrible attention span and i wasn't very good but it was fun you know it was hey i got to do this with my dad and that's cool but um but then when i started college i um i started uh uh it wasn't a class it was just sort of like an activities thing um that you were able to sign up for you know and a bunch of students signed up for it and could play tennis it wasn't a professional you know tennis team for the college or anything like that it was just 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 know, hitting balls back and forth sort of classes. thing like like that's all you were, that's all it was just hitting balls back and forth no one kept score there was no t- you know no yeah you, you could get that you could get to that point but that i never really liked that part of tennis like it's fun to be competitive but i never felt comfortable with the serve or that kind of speed uh for me it was just um you know volleying back and forth back and forth back and forth that was the part that i really loved about it uh so yeah i mean probably my biggest weakness is my syrup i never got a good handle on that so did, but there's always hope for the future yes and so did at any point today did you hit the ball with your wife or did, was it just you guys against the machine it was us against the machine yeah we didn't um we did not play each other in terms of you know uh one of us being on the other side of the net from the other it was um, us pretty much against the machine, just working on our swings and our aims and trying to, uh, you know, hit the ball into the squares that they were supposed to go into. <laughs> okay. <laughs> at, any, at any point in the future, is your plan to hit the ball with your wife on a tennis court or are you just like gearing up to really master this machine? Right now, I'm just trying not to accidentally hit my wife with a tennis racket. You know, I'm, I'm starting small. Okay. <laughs> Baby steps. Baby steps. So, so far, yeah, we didn't, you know, hit balls at each other or anything like that. But uh, I, this is the first time I've ever played with a tennis machine. I've always, you know, played back and forth with the tennis coach. Um, and these tennis machines are fun. They are tons of fun. So, so you see yourself doing this again. Is this something you want to get into? Do you want to play with Dave, you know, who's manning the balls? Yeah, yeah. I, I, totally, I would love to play with tennis, 82-year-old tennis Dave. And, um, you know, maybe if he has a partner, we could do doubles or whatnot. But I've got to tell you, I think I've, I might have committed to too much. I'm not exactly sure. But uh, so Maria takes lessons uh, twice a week. Um, after work, so that's usually around five. Uh, so the idea is for me to join her after her lesson at six, and then uh, she, you know, I can play for an hour, and then we'll do uh, we'll do either mornings or evenings on both weekends, weekend days. That's four days of tennis. Wow. Okay. So I don't know if I'm. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. You know me. I mean, I don't even hardly exercise right i so do know that about you yes fun for me because 
it's so much of it, sorry to interrupt, but so much of it has to do with uh, concentration. And uh, Maria and I both have like concentration issues and it's really, really hard to, you know, always pay attention. It's freaking exhausting. So we both need this kind of um, focus and um, it's an activity, maybe even the first activity that uh, we've ever done together that we, physical activity that we really love. Well, I'm excited for you. That's a good. That's a good thing, right? You know, you're yeah getting out there and finding something that uh, that you enjoy, and you know, it doesn't involve running and <laughs> and heavy exactly. activity. Yeah, it doesn't involve something really painful like running. You love to run. You get that runner's high, you know. And I don't get that. For me, it's just pain. I don't have any endorphins. I guess I don't know. <laughs> it didn't. It didn't know. start. You know, on day one, I'll tell you. You know, it's uh, It took some yeah. gearing up to it and needing life changes, right, to get to that point. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know what? I um, I learned a few things from your daughter Fern's birthday party, and uh, we talked about that before on the pod and how much fun that birthday party was. Uh, but for me, it only lasted like ten minutes because I fell on my face like a dumbass and my my knee is still healing and that was like a month ago oh, right geez, dude. <laughs> um and i'm just reminding myself you know what don't be don't try to be jimmy connors or you know john McEnroe or these stars that were a big deal you know back when my dad was young learning tennis um you know take it really slow safety first and you know don't fall down you're 50 you're 50, Jens. You're 50. Takes <laughs> longer to heal. I know. Why do I keep on telling myself that, dude? I get like, I get one or two ARP emails every day. <laughs> Seriously. Are... ARP. These people love me. I don't know what. And these people love me. And I have no idea why I said that. <laughs> ARP, fool. Oh, yes. A-I-C. See, I'm already forgetting what I'm talking about. <laughs> they they I, got you I, pegged. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't think that's because of old age. I just, you know, I always forget what I'm talking about. But uh, nothing new. But anyway, these people love me. Uh, there are all these, like, things I can do now. Like, I can uh, I can uh, go to these Zoom meetings, and I can we can talk about COVID, and, and lots of questions can be answered. Like, can you get COVID if you see somebody that has COVID on television or, you know, can you get COVID if you, if you uh, go to the grocery store and you move the cart around, you know, can you go like from the grocery cart or, or other totally different topics, like how to talk to your children about dying. Oh, good. It's yes. like, fucking hell, dude, I'm 50. Can we not have that now? Yeah. And they, and they don't know you, right? So <laughs> right. <laughs> no kids, no kids. No kids. Yeah. Anyway, uh -oh, dude, wait. I'm just telling you, stay young, stay young. When you turn 40, we're going to have a killer party. Okay, I can't wait. It might be distance at this point, right? Like it's It just... might be distance, <laughs> but if it's not, we're going to go to Vegas and do strippers and stuff. Ooh, don't tell Tracy. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, so there's one more thing I wanted to just to touch on, and I'm not sure if you heard it, but I just can't stop laughing about it, and, uh, and that is uh, the... Redskins, uh, did you hear about this? Uh, I heard that the, well, you're talking about football or yes. you're talking about baseball? Or? Football. Foop. All I know is that uh, the Redskins 
the Washington Redskins, right? So they, I think they're they're finally uh, have agreed to change their name, but I don't know exactly what they've what name they've chosen. They've chosen for this year, Jens. They've they're becoming Washington Football Team. What? <laughs> this is for real, dude. This is for real. The the NFL team formerly known as the Redskins will go by the Washington football team for at least the 2020 season, giving the organization time to choose a new full-time name. Gone is the Indian head logo, uh, and the name Native American advocates uh, uh, have called a dictionary-defined racial slur. So they're calling it Washington football uh, team, is what they're calling it, Jens. My God. That is... Stupid. This is end times. This is end time shit here. <laughs> what the hell? Like, there's no. They couldn't come up with anything. Anything. Else? Nothing. Like, even Washington grass would be better than Washington football team. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, what is happening? <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. That, and like, I'm speechless. I'm totally speechless. It makes no sense. Like, wait a minute. So, so Washington W. F football, WT. Oh wait, WFT. Never mind. WFT. That's almost <laughs> what the fuck. I know. Oh my god. Uh, Jesus, that's uh, insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah uh, uh, similar. This is kind of similar news. Uh, I guess Seattle um, has a new hockey team, and uh, they've just decided that that team is going to be called the Seattle Krakens. Like. Release the Kraken! Oh my gosh, okay. And how bad can these names get? I, I mean, that one's at least a name, Jens. Like, yeah, at least that's something. Yeah. They put some effort into it. Like, this is a professional NFL team that's just phoning it in. And then just like, like we're a team. Yeah, really. <laughs> I guess. Washington football team. I mean, I can't really think. There's got to be some sports history in Washington that they can draw on, you know, that... Oh, Jesus. Yeah, it, that's where they landed. I, I can envision them in a boardroom. Okay, guys, we have four hours to get to a name. You know, yeah. uh, what do we got? And at the end, uh, sorry, we're out of time. Okay, Washington football team it is for the year. Like, what? Um, Jesus Christ. It, Hopefully that's a joke. It's not 4th of July, is it? If, yeah, April 1st? No. Yeah, Fourth, sorry, April 1st. 4th of July? I <laughs> am. <laughs> um, Oh my god! I think I'm still delirious. I uh, need to drink more water, man. I, uh, yeah, you were hitting some tennis balls today. Yeah, so. I was hitting some tennis balls. Yeah, and uh, that was quite a workout. Yeah, I probably should have taken a nap. Should have talking to you. Okay. Um. Anyway, well, that's fucked up. Well, let's bring in our guest. On that note, uh, again. Uh, yeah, this is Ole Koretsky. So he, um, he's a, a musician. He was um, in a band called uh, D A R K dark right uh, he was also he also had a band called jet lag uh, with Andy Rourke from the Smiths um, nice. and uh, and he and so we get into some you know some kind of heavy stuff in this interview he uh, I don't want to give too much away but um, we talk about you know his relationship with Dolores O'Riordan uh, excuse me O'Riordan uh, who was the lead singer of the Cranberries um, okay. and you know she passed away Right. in the past year and so um he's uh, excuse me uh, i think it's been just a couple of years but he's taken some time to 
kind of reflect on that and now he's coming back and he has a new ep called mmxx or 2020 depending upon how you you, you look at it okay uh, and uh so we're gonna we're gonna bring him in and, and have a chat with him all right sounds good yeah i know there was a period of time there we we were losing so many artists you know um so many big names and it just was happening over and over again and we definitely talked about you know the loss uh that the cranberries had and um yeah and it's sad times it is indeed but uh yeah we'll bring in Ola here and uh let's uh let's bring him on in here he is Steve. hey how's it going Ola? oh it's okay i got a coronavirus haircut man so oh gosh you're, you're not alone for sure <laughs> look at that man rock and roll i think do landscape yeah landscape right? whatever you're most comfortable with that works. See, I, I was thinking about laying down on the floor, but now since we're doing a video, man, oh. I gotta sit up and be civilized. I mean, if you want to both lay down on the floor, we could do that too. So, <laughs> yeah, my, my studio's pokey, but I don't get any. Um, it, it's you get better sound quality because it's dead. All the audio's dead in here. Yeah. So it, it's much easier because, like, when I'm out at restaurants and the, the room's not properly treated, um. Uh, like I, I get very anxious like airports are like that you get echoes everywhere man and it's just it drives me mad like i, I like you know uh, i don't like sound traveling everywhere you know no that's not any fun is it so have you ever been to trader joe's uh yeah yeah of course they're terrible man it's a nice shop they have nice things in there but i feel like i might get a panic attack because everyone i've been to i think it's it's i don't know what it is it's the lighting that they have some kind of really crazy lighting man. like whole foods is a little tame where you can walk around there for a while but inside of trader joe's it's like this high electric crazy intensity light it's ultra fluorescent white it's insane man so it sets off triggers not a fan huh what's that yeah so it, it kind of triggers you a bit you're not a fan of uh of getting into trader joe's yeah, yeah, like the shop would be great if they just changed the lighting. Yeah. Because it's very affordable, it's nice. I mean, I haven't been in years, but the few times I've been in, it's, oh, Jesus. It's, it's, I've been in ones in California, in New York, New Jersey. No, no, man. Yeah. So, so we're, everyone I've been to, so I'm assuming it's something they do on a national level. Yeah. Where like, where are you located right now? I'm, I'm, uh, the studio's just outside of Manhattan. I can see... I can see Manhattan from from the second floor of my apartment. Yeah, I'm just on the river. And and you've been in Brooklyn for a while, right? No, I just grew up there. Okay, so then you got out and you can't. You ended up back uh, back in the area. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I just I never I, I just been uh, I've been all over the shop since I was a kid. I think I don't think I've ever lived anywhere more than a couple of years. No. Yeah, and and yeah. your your mom raised you in the Soviet Union. Is that right? Uh, that's, I, I, yeah, I mean, my mom is like the only kind of constant family member I had contact with throughout. Um, but yeah, she, she had me there, but I moved with my dad in, in the eighties, like late eighties. I moved to Australia with him. Jesus, I'm getting messages. Um, I moved to Australia for a minute until my mom remarried and then she's like, well, I'm gonna, um, we're gonna move to the States, you know? Uh, she married a Jewish fella, right? So 
at the time in the, in the 80s they were letting Jews out as as political refugees so she she thought, saw that as an out you know she's like because she the only thing she worried about is me serving in the army because yeah. I guess like the Soviet army would be a little um, might be might be more dangerous than like a prison here you know yeah so she didn't want for me so she was like yeah you Australia anywhere but here and and was that something you were in, you were interested in and, yeah because the political refugee process man it takes a minute so you have to go to all these points to all these safe haven countries so the first stop was Austria and uh, and I remember the Israelis were right there they're like Shalom and uh, you don't have to wait through anything well because we'll, they were just absorbing everyone that was escaping at the time my mom said, no, we're not going to Israel because mandatory army, you know, she's like, no, not happening. So that was, that was her thing. Like just, she didn't want me wind up in the army fighting people. Did you have any interest in ending up in the army or, I mean, you, you weren't. No, I mean, when I was very little, like I was into submarines and stuff and I had military relatives, officers and stuff in my family. So I, I thought it was a noble cause, but when you're little, you don't realize the, you know, the, the bureaucracy and the, and uh, and the disregard for for life, you know, you see you see the pretty uniforms, man. I was I still wear a lot of army fatigues and stuff. I'm drawn to that stuff but, uh, on an aesthetic level, but but I couldn't shoot a fella in the head. I wouldn't be in. No. And and then the abuse, the abuse too, you know, because I suppose you know I, I suppose the army's nice in the states, you know, you get all these perks you get usaa insurance for life for all your family you get crazy benefits people look after your health there's when people complain here that there's the veterans aren't looked after but they're looked after a lot better than most other places here you know yeah it's a lot worse elsewhere but it's, I, uh, I, I don't know i'm not much of a fighter man i'm not into that no i'm there with you so <laughs> i couldn't do it either i so. guess i'm a mama's boy she <laughs> don't want me fighting so i'm not fighting you know yeah but yes, I wound up in Brooklyn, like I guess '89, and uh, but yeah, we just kept moving every couple of years, just wherever her work was and stuff. Yeah, I went to three different high schools, you know. Uh, I know the feeling. I grew up. I went to a lot of different schools. I mean, until high school, I didn't go to one school for more than two years. So I was always the new kid, and you're always getting your ass beat. Me too, man. <laughs> I, I never got in any fights or anything, but you know, I I was definitely a loner and you know a bookworm, and I wasn't good at making friends back then, you know. And so uh, yes. Yeah, so now, now for my kids, it's like, it, that's important for me. I'm divorced, but, you know, keeping a constant, you know, for them and keeping them in one location is super important, you know. Um, yes, yes. To have that level of consistency. That was a big deal for me, too, man. I was, I was, I was trying to start a family, and, uh, and I was thinking, like, well, a house is important. This is important. And I was thinking Ireland would be a great place, you know, to yeah. have the kids be a little less materialistic, but still be in a Western kind of European environment without you know without the second and third world kind of problems i just thought it would be a much better alternative and uh you know and just the way the healthcare is set up i just thought this was lovely it'd be lovely to have kids in ireland you know um 
but but now that like uh, you know i'm just back to being a gypsy i'm just i'm, I'm thinking like i have I, I live in this place and I'm, i just don't think i need to own a place i think it's just you know if you don't have kids man it's just as cheap to live in a hotel the way property taxes are in this country and all that you know yeah yeah i could just get back to that like before the COVID, I was just thinking, Jesus, I'll go back on the road, just sell everything and just, just live on the road for a couple of years, you know? Yeah. And so so how has it been for you, uh, especially being in such a populated area like uh, with with COVID? Like, how has this really affected you? I, I don't know if it has, man. I get, I get lonely, but I get lonely anyway. Just me and the cat, man, you know? Like, our menstrual cycles synced up, you know? <laughs> uh, That's bad times. That's bad times. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, well, we got some very, he's a sphinx, right? Mm-hmm. So we got very similar um, hair distribution. He's a, unusual for a sphinx because he has some fur, but kind of like me, he's got hair on his arms and legs, yeah. on his chest, and uh, facial hair. And he's got a couple of sprouts on his back, man. So we're like twins. He's just a little, yeah. he's like a mini me. Yeah. He, he's a the cat, the cat and I, man. So he's your pal. And then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moving back here was a good idea, too, because my mom's not too far away, so she pops over every couple of weeks. It's really, you know, it's better than not having any human contact at all. Oh, for sure. And and so how? tell me about your, your musical taste growing up. You know, was your mom a big influence on you? Kind of. Uh, uh, not at all. Not at all, yeah. Um, I remember when I was really little, my dad had oh, like two-inch tape, reel-to-reel. That he, he st- I don't know how... I, was that even a thing? Because I remember hearing Beatles records, Tom Jones of all things are being played. Um, but like, was, could you get stuff on reel-to-reel tape or were they dubbing this? I don't even know how he had reel-to-reel tapes of commercial records. I didn't know that was a thing. No, it's crazy. Back I don't know. On it now, it's, it's surreal. But he, he played music on his reel-to-reel. Um, and I guess I was like eight years old when I wound up in Italy and I remember buying Italian bootlegs at like the market. You know, I wasn't buying them. My, my mom was buying them for me, but I got like an Elton John tape, a John Lennon tape. I was picking them out based on the album covers. I didn't really have much of a taste in music. Well, you lucked into a couple of good artists there <laughs> by the album covers, yeah, huh? Yeah, yeah. And then there was a pharmacy in Brooklyn, man, that I they used to have like a dollar tape bin. And I got lucky there too. You, you buy classical music because no one ever wanted that. So I, yeah. I got a lot of classical cassettes and jazz. Um, got Porgy and Bess there. I got uh, I got this pretty obscure film soundtrack that Ray Davies did that I still like to this day. Well, I like a couple of songs off it, but I got you know that's how I got into the Kinks and Ray Davies. Um, it's called Return to Waterloo. Okay. I think the film, I think it was 85 it came out. And uh, and I, I look, you know, when the internet came out, then I got curious and I'm like, what is this film? Because I have the cassette from, from Jump. And I think it was like one of Tim Roth's first films, you know. It's like made for TV. I don't, I, could, I don't think it was more than an hour long. But it's a pretty obscure thing. Like most people, like the Waterloo Sunset people know, but what's this return to Waterloo? Um, yeah, but yeah, it was a Ray Davies record, and it was a soundtrack record. Gotcha. And and so, at what point did you start making music, and did you know that that was something that you were really passionate about? Yeah, uh, I, I get. You know, I, I always wanted to do music, man. Uh, I get. Uh, probably people told me like, "Well, you, you 
because I could draw, you know, I, I could do, I got, I got a mean free hand, you know, so people told me I should focus on more visual things when I was a little kid. But, I, I, you know, I, told, I was also told, told I was tone deaf to avoid music at all costs, you know, but I, I didn't listen. So what pushed you back against that? Like, you know, when you get that feedback and you're like, you can't, you can't even hear tone. Like, okay, so what, you know, what made you want to drive forward amidst that feedback? I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea what possessed me to, I'm still not sure this is the right choice, you know, but it is what it is at this point. I can't like, I can't, in my forties now, I can't go back to school and learn accounting or, I, I don't know what job I, w I would be able to do, you know. Yeah. And so I, I, it is what it is at this point. But I don't know what, what if there was a pushback or what. I just I just wanted to do it, and I just did it. You know, you're pretty hyper when you're a kid. You just you just do things. I, I mean, I got a four track in like '94. My mom bought it for me, and uh, I just you know I just locked myself away for weeks at a time, just playing with that I borrow instruments from people and uh, yeah, I, ha I have boxes of cassette tapes from, from those days man well I'd be curious to go through some of them now but I, I don't know I, I doubt there's anything worth releasing but it could be something worth sampling yeah yeah it could and be just fun textures man it's, you know t t tape is interesting tape has an interesting quality to it um, CDs were just so expensive in the 90s I didn't want to I, you know, didn't have the money, and I don't think they sound that cool. So I, I went straight from, from you know, cassette vinyl to MP3 is just the accessibility and the ability to store all the music. When the whole Napster thing happened and all the music, you could download music, kind of blew my mind. But I just, to this day, I don't really like CDs very much, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And was, was your mom supportive when you were starting out and kind of starting to make music and everything? She, you know. She got behind you with that? Oh, I, I, we had a pretty difficult relationship. Like, where, you know, we gotten closer over, like, more recently, I'd say, you know. Um, yeah, my, I pretty, had a pretty confusing childhood, man. Um, but she's, she's always been supportive of me, and she's always been kind to me, but we didn't have access to each other as much as we would have liked, you know. And uh, like I didn't get to meet my dad until I was well in my thirties either. Like since, so I had a long disconnect from him. So it's just been in the last like, uh, in the last few years, it's it's really great because we speak every uh, every couple of months, and, and I try to get. He moved back to uh, to Ukraine, so I pop over to him. I try to pop over once a year. I kind of messed it up last year, and then the COVID hit, so I didn't get to see my dad. And, but he's getting up there and he's blind. So I got, you know, as soon as they open up the borders, I'm going to hop over and, and, you know, spend some time with him. And, and how did meeting him go? Like, how did that come about so late in in life at this point? Well, you know, I, I, I never had any ill feelings. Like, I love my dad. He's, 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 he's a lovely guy, but we just, you know, just getting spread out all over the world. You know, I got family. I don't have a big family, and, and the family I do have, they're all in like four different countries. So um, I guess I guess when I first came to Ireland, man, um, when I 
first started talking and working with Dolores, it was right after her dad passed away, you know. And uh, it was it was a traumatic thing for her, obviously. Yes, it should be, you know. Um, so, and she found out, she's a, she, she found out my dad was alive and she just took it upon herself to reconnect us, you know. And she started phoning him and, uh, and built a relationship up gradually. And then uh, one day we just flew out and surprised him, man, you know. And then it turned into a tradition every year. Yeah. She, it sounds like, I mean, from what I've heard and what you're, you know, just kind of what you're saying, I mean, she would be a pretty big impact in your life, right? Like, I mean. Yeah, yeah, man. You know, she reconnected me with, with my family, made me closer with everyone in my family. And uh, and also I gained the advantage of her family. Like all of a sudden my family just quadrupled, you know, because we're talking uh talking a soviet kind of nuclear family that's already fractured through divorce and various issues and, but then you got on the other side of that you got you got an irish family which is like man i don't even know how many nieces and nephews are out there man you know it's but it was uh coming over to ireland was weird on so many levels just seeing that kind of family how it was a culture shock and then seeing stars for the first time i've never been outside the city ever in my life I've always been in like kind of big cities so I remember seeing that that was another big shock is seeing uh, seeing stars in the sky you know yeah so yeah it was a mystical experience to be sure you know yeah and especially coming over November that time of year man you got this fog and it stays green all year round because it's so wet but the perennial trees that would lose their leaves, they're still green. They just look haunted because they got ivy all up the all up the branches, you know? Yeah. So they're still green. They just they just turn like more kind of cryptic looking. Because just the, the odd shapes of the branches without leaves just covered in ivy. Yeah. So, so tell me a little bit about uh, Dark and how uh, how that came about, and uh, I mean, did it build off of yeah, your relationship within? I mean, with um, uh, with Dolores, or where where did it kind of start? I was. It started with uh, it started with demos that Andy and I were working on, you know, and uh, um, you know, I guess we, we never planned anything kind of uh to do anything magnificent or uh, just uh we you know it was it, we, we were just having fun with and just just recording stuff and i was just getting back into my groove and, and starting to write again guys I, I was djing for a minute and i, I just uh, I, I i had some personal issues i just i just didn't see myself doing music again but Andy was a positive influence, man. He was just like, yeah, let's just do this. Let's do that. And uh, I think we did like, a, we even did a music video at some point. Um, and we, we worked in radio together. And we, we were, you know, we're just boys, man. Just, just good friends. And uh, I just got a call from him one day. He said, you know, Dolores is, um, you know, would, would you be into sending her some demos? Like she's curious and all this. I didn't pay him much mind. I sent over some demos, you know, and uh, and I only had a handful of instrumentals. And I said, Andy, this is gonna take me a minute to um, to 
get to to get you instrumentals for her. So uh, I sent over some tracks that had my vocals on it, you know. And I didn't I didn't think of it again until I got a call from her. I didn't know what the hell was going on. I was a bit confused. She rang me, and uh, she basically just said, "You know, I'm, I'm I'll, I'll be singing with you. I'm the new singer." got your number from Andy, that kind of thing, you know? And, uh, and she started, she, she was into, she was into my vocals and some of the lyrics and stuff. And she just said, I really, I'm looking forward to this, you know? And then, uh, and then we, we stayed in touch and we worked over the phone and over email for, for a few months before we actually met face to face, you know? Yeah. But yeah, so the, 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 you know, the, the initial interest was because she's a big Smiths fan. She was a big Smiths fan. Um, I, I, I was in high school as well, but um, and I thought I knew all the lyrics. You know, Morrissey's a pretty clever lyricist. Um, but uh, yeah, she knew she well. She's a better singer than me, and, and a better singer than Morrissey, and she knew the lyrics better. You know. Yeah. So we used to geek out about that. It was just a, a, a fun thing we did. You know. Yeah having sing songs i think there's even recordings of us somewhere uh doing a cover of big mouth you know yeah and and so being a smiths fan growing up uh, i mean and then you know going to the point where you're starting a band with andy was it kind of like you know meeting your hero in a sense uh like uh, tell me about that feeling and kind of how that transposed you know building upon your relationship there yeah like i don't i don't i think i i don't i, I don't get overly excited about i don't like judge people based on their accomplishments or success or anything i just clicked with andy because that's andy i actually met mike joyce first um the, the smith's drummer and he's a lovely guy too and, and then over the years i've met johnny you know um and, and i can get along with people but andy andy was just different just on a, on a human level he's just someone that i could click with and we wound up keeping in touch and we just became friends you know it, it was it was a little weird sometimes when you think about it well you know um because i did i did you know i did know all of his bass lines and and i was a huge fan you know and i after meeting him i kind of i, I kind of i was still young i was like 23 when we met um so I, I would have just been coming off that wave. And, and of course, in high school, I, I would have been paying attention more to the lyrics. But as I was becoming a player, I, I kind of became really obsessed with what him and Johnny were doing. Just that, that pocket and just the craft of it. I got really, I became more impressed with the band as a band and less so of a, as a as a, as a phenomenon, but just strictly and technically as a band, I thought I've, I've rediscovered that side of it. And just said, wow, this is brilliant. Musically speaking, just technically speaking, this is, you know, like growing up, like I'd learned to play Beatles songs, man. I, I can't play too many Smith songs. Stuff will break your fingers, you know? Yeah. They're not easy to play. They sound pretty cute and simple, but they're not, they're, they're really good musicians. Yeah, and uh, and you bonded with Andy over like Bowie, right? Like, I mean, you you had a, a mutual love for Bowie. Oh yeah, we had yeah we had a, we liked a lot of the same stuff, you know. I mean, that was a cool thing discovering that that someone who's a few years older than you and has, has done something interesting with their life and their career, and then you realize, yeah, well, you know, he's just 
dude listening to, to the radio just like I am. And, and then we have a lot of things we like in common. But the first, I remember when I first met him, I gave him a CD. I was working on a, on, a, on a, actually a hip-hop record, you know. And uh, we were just geeking out in the hotel room listening to just playing each other music. I said, man, I just, I just, I'm getting this track mixed right now. And it's got a, it's got a sample of Sinead O'Connor and it's got a sample of Ella Fitzgerald. And it's, you know, it's just, it's kind of a boom bap kind of hip hop track, but it's, it was a clever use of sampling. And he, he liked it, man. He, he asked for the CD. And I said, all right, well, I can make myself, this is back in the CD days. I said, I'll make myself another copy. And I wrote my number on that CD. And, uh, and we just kept, kept in touch after that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about um, uh, MMXX, or do you call it 2020? What do you, how do you refer yeah, to yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, I, I guess, yeah, Koreski 2020, man. I, yeah. just, uh, I, I just didn't know what to name it. So I thought that was the simplest thing. It, it seems I to fit. MMXX so. is a stylistic thing, I guess, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That, makes me think of Mickey Mouse, makes me think of Mexico. Who knows? Yeah, a little, little bit of it all, right? And you recorded uh, one of the videos. Um, actually, you recorded the video for uh, Signs of Life in um, in Mexico, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. So I guess I we. Dig. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. No, no, oh. I was just saying I really dig Mexico, man. We, we were out there, um, we did a few gigs with the cranberries, and, and I got to explore the. Uh, peninsula a little bit man um got to drive around you know cancun in itself i don't know if it's very exciting it's more of a tourist spot but just getting out there and seeing the local cities on that side and i'm like well i have to come back and, and i met people there that are from mexico city and various parts of mexico and i just i got really excited about coming back there so uh when I got a hold of a director that was based out there, it, it was accidental. It wasn't planned, but when I, when he told me he's he's based in Cuernavaca, I said, "That's brilliant, man! I'll be in Mexico City in a few days, man. I'll meet you out there." Because I just kind of had that seed planted that I needed to go back because I really fell in love with it, you know. Yeah. So uh, I guess yeah, be careful what you wish for. Right, and and you got Tina Christina to come out uh, to Mexico as well for the video. Uh, I mean, tell me kind of about. Um, you know, that experience, I know this was a difficult song for you. Um, so like, just tell me kind of how it came together in that, in that capacity. Yeah, man, she, she's a lovely girl. And, and I met her, um, met her through Andy. There's a spot in New York called New Blue. Um, if I didn't meet her there, but it was through there because that's, that's where, um, that's where all the talent is, man. All like, if you run into musicians that are, that are well known and, or at least well respected by other musicians. It's it's just uh, it's a great resource, man. Just a, just there's talent there. There's always talent there. There's always people jamming. I'm not I'm not one of these. I can't hang with these guys. I'm like a I'm like a fake musician. You know, you get some serious talent out there. People that could could roll in hard. And and I knew her as a bass player, and uh, and but I wasn't too familiar with with her work but i knew she played with some really cool people and she had a lovely energy about her and i found out she could sing and, uh, that was an eye-opener and uh so I, I started writing signs of life man like i guess it was it was during the cranberries tour like 
2017. And uh, and I had the vocal melody and I had the progression. It's, uh, I, I mean, you can recycle progressions left and right. It's all about like hitting the vocal melody, which I kind of did. And I had a different harmony for the chorus. And Tina kind of changed it a bit. And I'm not sure how I feel about it to this day, but she did a wonderful job otherwise. Man. I might, I might re-record it with the original harmony that I wrote. But she 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 blew it out the park, man. She killed it. Yeah. Regardless, I think it sounds nice. Regardless. Um, but so, and I was kind of sitting on the song. I didn't want to show it to anybody, you know, because I, I I could I didn't like I was planning that for that to be a dark song. And Dolores was well aware of it, and she was waiting for me to finish the lyrics because she basically said, you know. Either I, I come up with my own lyrics, but I like where your melody's going. But if you're going to stick to your melody, you need to like really map this out properly, you know. And I could tweak it here and there, but I need I need a finished song to to start wrapping my head around. So, but I never finished the lyrics, you know, before, while she was alive. And uh, and I kind of did write it around the time that Tina's brother passed away, which was you know less than a year after. And uh, so it was just. Uh, it, it, it was a very sad story, but I, but that's that's kind of when I sent her the demo, you know. Yeah. And, and uh, the lyrics clicked with her. She uh, she got back to me and she said, you know, I'm kind of moved by this. And I just said, okay, you know what? The next step is let's just let's just record it and let's put it out. And uh, that was that was that, you know. Yeah. And so for you, how do you how does it feel to to have that? out in the world now because it it is such a personal song for uh for you and there, there's a lot of attachment on multiple levels there so i mean does it feel like a release or i mean tell me a little bit about you know what you're experiencing i see i was worried about putting these songs out because because i'm because you know it's hard to it's it's hard to gauge what the reality is of what someone else's perception might be so it felt really personal and raw you know all, all these songs and I was kind of sweating about, oh, what, what will someone think or what will someone read into this? And uh, But then you realize, man, people aren't thinking about you that much. It's just not a big deal. Just let it go. The whole idea behind putting any of this out was just, I just felt kind of out of touch and stifled and sad. And I just wanted to, I just wanted to do something just to, just to do for, just for the sake of doing something. There wasn't, I wasn't trying to fulfill anything. There was no, it wasn't a great artistic vision. I just literally needed to, to, to pick myself up out the gutter, you know, and just to do something. Yeah. Do you, do you try to always write from like a personal place like that? Or is that, is it like therapeutic or do you uh, fictionalize? No, some I, actually, I don't, I don't, I don't try anything. I don't actually make an effort. Um, I, I, I actually try to, I try to dance around personal things. It's certainly everything's informed by some kind of experience in your life otherwise it, it would you know but i actually tend to lean towards abstractions and i try to stay away from being too literal with anything and uh to larson i used to talk about this a lot she you know because she she was very much her heart was very much on, on her sleeve you know her lyrics were just so direct and so like uh just a reflection of just like a mirror reflection of her life you know 
where I, I, I don't know, it's just whether it's a different approach or it's just I'm not as confident as she was, you know, and I'm just not able to be that open. I don't know what it is, but I, I, like I'll avoid, I'll, I'll avoid getting too personal. Yeah. Like I was paranoid that these songs were too personal and they're really not. They're just songs. And I'm sure they're a little sad, but whatever, you know, Yeah. just songs and no one's paying it that much mind. I'm overthinking it in my head. Worried about people. What if, you know, uh, what if someone hears this and thinks this, man, you shouldn't worry about that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, it's my own affliction, man. It's my limitation. I have to deal with it. Yeah. And so, you, so you're not concerned about like uh, when everything clears up and being able to perform, you know, this song live, you know, it being too kind of emotional or anything like that. You're you're able to nah, kind of separate yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the like the that's when the uh, the murderous instinct kicks in when you get on stage, man. It's just execution point. It's just execution time, man. And I've already mapped this out. I already know how everything's gonna work. You know, I, I perform perform with live musicians and backing tracks. I've done both extremes, all live, all backing tracks. Um, and ultimately, I prefer to have a combination of the both because I'm really into my electronic elements and influences, man. But I'm like, when it comes to live, man, there's no emotion. It's just straight execution. At that point, all that goes out the window. It's just, yo, how do we deliver this? And I'm already thinking about my my mix engineer on side stage for my in-ear monitors i'm thinking about who's doing front of house i'm thinking about the routing i'm thinking about the, the stage plot and um how many people on stage and how many hotel rooms to pay for you know yeah yeah and uh and so have you um i, I mean having toured with the uh done a couple tours with the cranberries i think right like have you kept up with the other uh, other members of the band after you know after everything transpired not really not really you know um help me a little bit on like social media and stuff enough to say hello but but it, it you know i was a little uh, like when they got the grammy nomination for the last record we did um i was a little i was a little worried about going out to la but it was more about i was worried because Dolores and i used to live there you know so i was it, i was more worried about my emotional reaction but I'm glad I went because it's kind of, you make a new memory and you attach a new memory to that. So it'll be easier going back the next time, you know? But when I saw the lads, man, it was just like, it, it just picked up where it left off. It was just, you know, joking. And it was just so normal and natural. There was no, uh, it, it, it wasn't, you know, it, it, it wasn't weird at all. We, we just picked it up and, and it was a lovely week, yeah. you know? And then, but yeah, we don't we don't like chat on the phone or anything. Right. We're on good terms. We're on good terms. Oh, good, good. Um, and I, I think I read somewhere you you're planning on making like meditation music. Is that right? Like, do you do you meditate a lot? I you know I did for uh, um yeah I mean I, I have on and off for many years, um, and I guess since I started doing this project now I kind of got off of it, which is really bad. So now I'm just I'm pounding coffee. I'm, I started smoking a little bit. Uh, I'm kind of edgy. I'm kind of edgy. But um, yeah, man, after Dolores died, I, I got, I, I kind of had to. And I got back into like my Kundalini practice, which I hadn't done since my early 20s, because it's, uh, it's very much like taking drugs without taking drugs. It's a very kind of, it's a, it's a very effective tool to, to change your perspective and 
something to uh, just just to change your, uh, I guess the, the quality of you know of your perception without without taking drugs without becoming an alcoholic. It's just uh, it's a good trick to have up your sleeve, you know. Yeah, and and so tell me about kind of your process as you're thinking about making you know meditation music. That's something you are still thinking about doing. Is that right? I am. I am. I would love to do it. Um, I just kind of. Yeah, you know, but what happens is once you start working on something, then all of a sudden things come at you. So I, I, I'm starting to get calls about, oh, would you would you mix this track or would you play guitar on this? And then I'm like, okay, well, you got to prioritize. But yeah, I would absolutely love to do meditation music. Uh, I'm a big and I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, of a composer called Angelo Badalamenti, and I'm, I'm lucky enough to know him, be in contact with him a little bit. He's a lovely man, you know. But uh, I, I was kind of, but he he would he would inspire me in that way because a lot of his music is quite ambient and ethereal and uh, I, I it's spiritual to me. I see I see it in a very spiritual light. I'm a big fan of his, and I could see myself trying to emulate him. You know, yeah, he's one of my heroes sonically speaking. You know, he's brilliant. Yeah. Um. And so kind of as we wind down here, I want to ask you, you know, about um, times you've played in the, the Bay Area. Do you remember what venues you've played uh, out here? No, I, we, we, I never played the you, Bay Area. Oh, you haven't played the Bay. Okay. Never, never, man. We, we, we mixed um, we mixed the Science Agrees record in, in Marin, mm-hmm. in Marin County. Um, so I, I, I love the Bay and, I, and that was the first time I went up in 2015. That was the first time I went up since I was a teenager, man. And it was really cool. And I find San Francisco really cold. It's just windy and cold and weird. But you get up north, you get towards Sonoma, Marin, and it's just lovely. All winter. You get a little more greenery in the winter, too, don't you? Yeah. It's like a kind of reverse effect because the summer kind of dries everything out, yellows it. Yeah, I mean, most of the hills are usually pretty brown. You know, it's, if you're lucky and you get a wet winter, you know, you'll see some green. And you're like, oh, that's that's what they're supposed to look like, right? But, <laughs> yes, yes. but uh, I mean, I guess that's why I'm probably so infatuated with like Ireland and Australia and that sort of thing, right? I've, I've never left yes. the country as an adult, but uh, I got my passport right as all this was hitting, and uh, as figures I won't be able to use it for who knows how long, but. Uh, it's finally warming up to the idea of leaving, you know. I mean, I have kids, so it's they're expensive. Yes, and, yes. You know, but you know, you're very near to um to 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 the to the American Northwest and Vancouver, and mm-hmm. uh, I find that very similar to Ireland and all that, you know. Yeah. It doesn't get cold, it doesn't get hot, and it just stays a little muggy, a little green, you know. It's got very similar vibes, I find. Yeah. It's got a mystical thing going on there too. Yeah, you've been there though. Uh, just passing through yeah i think is beautiful and uh and but the only difference to me i feel like the skies in europe are much smaller Mm. and living in ireland i find i I felt a little bit like i loved it on one hand but on the other hand i felt i felt that i was in a small place i felt like well if i accelerated the car right now i'd be in the ocean soon you know there's a vastness about north america and canada i just find the skies the feeling of the skies being just further away it's more expansive feeling where in Europe and then you get this other effect where in most of Central Europe you'll have, you'd have uh, overcast skies except for like an hour in the morning like most of the winter and fall and you know just you only get the clear blue skies really in the summer 
So that kind of brings the sky even a little bit lower, and the trees just feel shorter, and it just you just feel a, it's it just feels smaller, man. Yeah, no, I can I can see that. So <laughs> there's a wild expanse, and there's something primordial in North America, man. Just you know, driving around like upstate New York, Ontario, and Midwest, just it's just the expansiveness of the skies, man. And regardless of what natural landscape you're in, whether it's um, the desert or the, or the forest or the mountains, man, it's just a, there's something very expansive and open about about here geographically. Yeah, yeah. And the geography can inform, man. I, yeah, if, if you, you got two kids? I do, yeah. Oh, it's brilliant, man. That's so cool. Boy and a girl, yep. Ten-year-old girl, she, you know, <laughs> I tell you, you know, she's, they're, they're both great. But they, they challenge me in different ways, we'll say that. Are they on Instagram already? <laughs> no, I don't do that. No, my, my daughter goes to a Waldorf <laughs> school also, so I try, I mean, they they push back against technology, except things are kind of different now, obviously, with yes. all the homeschooling and everything, but, uh, you know, so she's, she doesn't have her own phone or anything like that, you know. She, she has this little device called a relay where, you know, it's she just got it like a month or so ago, and she can send like a 30-second message to her mom or me or grandma, or, you know, whoever's in there oh, cool. but cool. it's like not a voice memo like a whatsapp kind of thing yeah Very cool. yeah exactly that's so it's a start but you know i you know i'm pushing back on the devices as long as possible so i have more than enough time for that and i don't she doesn't need smart, to be man. sucked and, into and it. it looks beautiful where you are man it oh, looks I'm, really nice i'm in napa yeah, yeah. Napa, uh, napa oh, california lovely. yeah it's a wonderful place for kids man yeah, we get luckily we have a good amount of space for them to run around and be kids amidst all this. I mean, there's a lot of horrible, you know, aspects to it, and it's going to impact their childhood. You know, it's really going to be a detriment to them and all kids, right? I mean, like, what is it going to, what is it going to look like? But, uh, um, but at least they have some room to run around and be safe. So, be thankful for that. Yeah, that's beautiful. God bless you. Yeah. Well, I thank you for t uh, taking the time today um, and to chat. Yeah, thanks for having me, Steve. Man. It was lovely to chat with you. And it was good to see your face because I wasn't sure how we were going to do this. And uh, it's nice, man. You, 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 have a, you have a nice, kind energy about you, man. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, I like doing the, I mean, the video. I mean, typically we, you know, interview bands at concerts. It's, you know, concert pipeline. So we try and uh, feature bands, you know, that are coming through the Bay Area, whoever's coming through. And. Uh, not so many artists well, coming I'll through sure these. Come through, man. I'll <laughs> come, make sure to come through. Come on through and hit me up when you when you do. Yeah, we'll we'll get through this and we'll you know come play a show in the Bay Area and I'll be there. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready. I got all my gear ready to go. Um, I got musicians ready to go because we were looking at doing a couple of festivals in Europe this summer, right before everything kind of blew up. And uh, yeah, I'm ready, man. I got soldiers. I got I got soldiers in Europe. I got soldiers in America. People ready to go. So we were we were ready to go, you know. Um, so there's no reason not to as soon as uh, the opportunity rears its head, you know. Yeah. Well, I hope you get a chance to to play 2020 live, you know, in uh, in the not too distant future, because there's some great songs yeah, in there. Yeah, 2021. There's no rush. Man. Right. Yeah. And exactly. More releases too. I got I got music. I got music. This was just a way for me to um to just get out there and you know I, I just I, I can't be isolated for this long. So this is a way for me to meet people like you and this is a way for me to interact with people online at least if nothing else you know i was hoping to do gigs but there's no rush man yeah there's no rush and there's plenty more music to come 
And you, you feel a lot more positive about like the, the music. I know you had to take a break for a while and that totally makes sense, but you feel like you're back in it. You, you're, you're connecting with it and everything. Yeah. 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 And there's even older material that I'm able to go through, you know, cause there's so many recordings done over the past six years. And uh, I, w- I wasn't, I wasn't in a state of mind where I could look at photographs, even never mind look at song mixes, you know? Yeah. So I'm, I'm in a different place now. I'm able to, uh, I'm able to, to have positive memories and laugh now, which is this is pretty recent. This all started happening in the past eight months or so, you know. Yeah, well, that's that's great. I'm really glad for that, especially amidst where we're at right now. You know, it's important for us to be positive and see what we got in front yeah, of us. You know, yeah. I feel I'm going through a renaissance, man. So none of this, whatever's going out in the world, is not affecting me at all because I'm having my own internal becoming process, man. So I'm feeling pretty. I'm feeling pretty optimistic, man. I just, uh, just spreading the love and just trying to, to you know, just, as long as we're kind to one another, everything's going to pan out just fine. Yeah, we got to look out for each other. That's what it is. So That's it, man. We're all brothers and sisters, man. That's it. That's all we can do is take personal responsibility how we treat the next man and the next woman, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well I thank you again for, for taking the time, and, uh, yeah, I hope you have a— Cheers, Steve. God bless, man. Thank you so much. You have a great one, okay? That was the interview with Ole Koretsky, Jens, and that takes us to the final segment on the podcast. What is it? It's time for music news. That is right. Uh, so typically we go back and forth with a couple of stories, but you know, for those that can't tell, Jens is on the road. He's uh, I'm on the road, road tripping. Yeah, you don't uh, you don't get on the road very often, so this is a unique occasion for you. Yeah, it's really weird driving. So I will go ahead and take the stories and uh, allow you to uh, comment on on said stories and let us know what you think. Okay. All right, I'm ready for this. Okay, so my first story, Jens, is about Ziggy Marley. Yeah, all right, Ziggy. What's he up to? Yeah, who I interviewed years and years and years ago. Uh, that was a that was a fun one. I always remember like this moment. I asked him about losing his father, and yeah. uh, and he's like, "There's no losing my father. I could talk to him anytime I want." You know? Oh, nice. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's you know most people I don't think really think that way. So um, that's fantastic. Great perspective. Yes, uh, but. He's uh, sharing a joyous new single, and he reveals details of a collaboration-packed new album. So mm-hmm. uh, he has, he's released a new single called Play With Sky, and um, it features Ben Harper include, and includes the lyrics, I'm going to outside, I'm, uh, let me start over. I'm going to outside, going to play with the sky, running wild, play with sky. Uh, <laughs> all right <Ziggy. laughs> yes uh and so his uh his new album more family time features a, a lot of new collaborations with artists including alanis morissette tom morello busta rhymes cheryl crow lisa Loeb, and more and uh, arrives on uh september 18th and he says the album aims to capture the energy of his four-year-old son and will include collaborations from uh the marley family throughout uh, and then there, there is a CD bonus track called Today I Feel Silly, which features actress Jamie Lee Curtis reading her children's book. No way. Right? <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how does that work? 
Okay, but there's music to her reading the children's book? I, I don't know. Maybe you just play some instrumental behind it or something. Uh, man, like seeing him live was just, I mean, such a cool performance. Like it was. I bet. Yeah, yeah that's, that's one, that's one genre, I guess, that I've never heard live before. Reggae? you never seen a reggae show? No, never, not live. Mm. I've seen his brother Steven live as well, and uh, and that was that was pretty cool. But I mean, I don't know. It was something. It felt like kind of another world. I, I felt his dad in his performance when I saw Ziggy. Even though I think when I saw Steven Marley, uh, he played Buffalo Soldier, uh-huh. uh, which was which was pretty cool. So um, nice. Yeah. So another classic. So um, I mean, we can uh, play a clip of his uh, his song "Play with Sky" here. So there's a little feel of uh, of Ziggy Marley's new album uh, there that he's got cooking. So yeah, yeah. All so, right. Well, we're looking forward to that. Interesting mix of collaboration. I'll tell you that. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we're this, here's a story that we're following, and I don't know if this is going to be like an every week sort of thing, Jens. I, I hope it's not, but you know, in the moment, you know where I'm kind of going right now, right? Are you talking about like? Like something dying, somebody dying. No, no, Jens. President Kanye. Oh Jesus, no. Yeah. Oh God, no. I, I heard something about. I heard something about some kind of uh, apology or something. Oh, he he apologized. What do you apologize for? Um. Uh. Okay. Uh, something. Uh. This was a tweet that I got on my phone. I think. Don't quote me on this, but if I remember correctly, I think Elon Musk liked um i follow elon and not kanye so sometimes this stuff pops up so uh okay. about liking something kanye said which was along the lines of i apologize uh to my wife kim because i had you know disclosed something in public that was very private i mean that you're hitting it like exactly he's he tweeted this is some, this was like two hours ago he said i would like to apologize to my wife kim for going public with something that was a private matter i did not holy shit i know you're you know your kim and kanye news jens like you don't oh know my god i'm becoming an expert you don't know how to pronounce his name but like. <laughs> um <laughs> but he uh he said i did not cover her like she has covered me to kim i want to say i know i hurt you please forgive me thank you always for being there for me uh so uh wow. he'd okay. be He'd been giving her the cold shoulder as she tried to reach out to him to get the help he needed after he lapsed again into a serious bipolar episode, hurtling yeah. a, a barrage of disparaging tweets that took aim at her, her mom, Chris Jenner, and others in the family. Uh, he yeah. even said he'd been trying to divorce her for a while now. Uh, Kanye's been trying to divorce Kim? This is what he's saying. And, you know, again, oh, I see, I see. Okay. He's 
I mean, this is, I guess he's bipolar, um, but... Yeah, I know. I, um, that was news to me. Uh, oh, uh, not too long ago, I, I read that, um, I think in the last week, maybe, and uh, then I felt bad. I'm like, oh, shit, here I'm, here I'm giving this guy a hard time, and he has a legitimate mental illness. Um, that, that shit's hard, man. Bipolar? Jesus. Uh, have you ever met anyone that's been bipolar? Uh, yes, um, and, uh, I, I, you know, my understanding is one of my neighbors is, so, uh, uh oh, mm, big neighbor? Mm, 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 okay, that, that explains a lot. Yes, so. That explains a lot, yeah, it's, this bipolar thing is really, really, really tough. Yeah, it's know? serious. Uh, anyway, Kanye, man, I, I oh. wish y'all the best. Uh, along that front. I, I guess when he was, last Sunday when he was in South Carolina, he said he wanted Kim to get an abortion, but she uh, would not and had the baby anyway. Uh, so, um, you know, he was, I mean, that, he was talking about his kid Northwest, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, he said other things, allegations of cheating, uh, but it seemed the abortion talk was the most hurtful and Kim's protective of her kids. So, I mean... This is pretty heavy stuff, and uh, you, you know yeah. that w- that wasn't what it, the story was. I was going to share. I was, go- yeah. I was I was going down the presidential train, uh, saying he uh, said he can beat Joe Biden in the U.S. election, mm-hmm. uh, but he'll have to be a write-in candidate in numerous states after missing the deadline to appear on ballots. Yeah, that's yeah, probably part of his manic side. I mean, he has no fucking idea what he's talking about, right? Yeah, it's never going to happen. He could still be voted for if supporters write the name on them themselves. So he he seemed confident uh, in recent tweets that he wrote. But I don't know, yeah. man. Like if he can't, you know, handle his own personal life, like should he be running the country? Probably not. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, uh, you know, America voted for Trump. You know, hey, why not? Why not vote in a bipolar rap star? Yeah. So, okay, this statement comes after West suggested he may postpone running for president of the United States until 2024. Uh, He asked his Twitter followers if he should still run this year. Hashtag 2020 vision or maybe 24. He wrote in a post that has since been deleted. Um, It's I I don't know what he's doing, you know, (laughs) I don't even know. Yeah, maybe he doesn't either. No. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I don't think I've. I don't think I consciously have known anyone um, that was bipolar. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know the whole medication thing is, is really, really, really tough, uh, especially staying, you know, on the medication. Yeah. And it seems to me that either his medications aren't working or he's not taking them and he's flying off the handle. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like it, man. So. Yeah. I don't know. Well, hopefully he just gets the help he needs because. You know, I think he shouldn't focus on running a country, and he should just take care of himself. So exactly, he should take care of himself and his family. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, so next story ends is uh, th- uh, there's a singer named Patty Smith, uh, who, who is um, the lead singer of a band named Scandal, and she shared insight as to why she turned down a 1985 offer to join Van Halen um, following the departure wow. of David Lee Roth. We- okay. Um, and so uh, after they hit their peak with the 1984 album Eddie Van Halen was left without a frontman, and he approached his friend Smith with an offer to join the band 
Um, and so I guess uh, she had scored a series of hits with Scandal through a number of lineup changes. She said she had uh, a few reasons to pass on Van Halen. They were heavy drinkers. I don't drink, she told Stereo Gum while prom- promoting her forthcoming record. It's about time. Uh, I never saw myself living in L.A. I was like, I'm from New York. We don't move to L.A. Um, and and then she said, it's all semantics because if Eddie had said to me, let's make a record, then I would have said yes to that. But joining the band to me then, oh, God, they fight all the time, uh, him and his brother, and I don't want to get into a vi- uh, volatile situation. And I was probably heavily hormoned out because I was eight months pregnant. So there was a state of mind that I was in uh, with how I needed to take care of myself. Uh, but I regretted turning him down. For a long time, I regretted it. When you start to have regrets, I was like, oh, man, I would have made so much money. Um, and her old band experience, uh, I guess, influenced her decision as well. Um, so uh, right. she, she had the opportunity to be uh, sitting in Van Halen at, uh, at one point, and she didn't take it, which I think opened the door for Sammy, right? Right, exactly. Man, dang. You know, I think there are a lot of uh, examples like that. Like, I'm thinking of just the Beatles, you know, right now, and how how uh, how uh, Ringo Starr got in there. I think that was kind of a, a fluke. Um, I don't remember the details on that, but I think it was something along the lines of the drummer that they had before that, maybe didn't take the band seriously enough or something. I don't know. But it was another one of those missed opportunities. It's one of those things, like, sometimes it's interesting to hear this, like, from when you're like, okay, this person could have had this role in a movie and you or a TV yeah. show that was, like, so pivotal and you can't imagine right. it with anybody else, right? You know? Exactly and, that. Right. Yeah, and uh, and this is kind of that same sort of thing. And so she said, and I never said anything about it for years. I got a call from Ed, and he was like, look, I'm not saying that I asked you to join because I don't want Sammy Hagar to look like he was second choice. And she said, uh, okay, so I never spoke about it after that. I'm like, uh, all right, I don't need to tell people. If someone asks me, I didn't lie, but I didn't really talk about it that much. So obviously years and years yeah. later now, I mean, there's time between and distance between that. But um Wonder how Sammy Hagar's feeling hearing this. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Wow, that's that's a cool little piece of history. Right, it's interesting to hear those things. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Jens, I got one more story for you. I, you know, I know I disappointed you last week without having a Dave Grohl story, and I'm I'm gonna give you one this week. I was so disappointed that we did not have a Dave Grohl story, and it's not your fault at all, you know. But sometimes. There's just no news available. Sometimes it happens, right? You know, you can't be doing amazing things every week, right? It does. Sometimes it happens. And the other thing uh, about this David Grohl thing is that I also read something about David Grohl in the last couple of days. Okay. What did you do? Does it have to do with his mom? I don't remember what I asked (laughs) you. I was hoping that it would come to me right after I said that. But uh, it didn't. It might have something to do with uh, uh, his mom. I don't know. Give me the give me the first little. Give me like a little teaser. Okay. Well, his mom taught in public school. Okay. I got nothing. That was your teaser. <laughs> All right. Tell me a little story. Okay. Here it comes. So he says we need to protect America's teachers like the national treasures they are. Uh, oh, fantastic. And he put out, uh, like, a YouTube video that was just audio 
uh, and uh, I mean, it was like eight minutes long or something, but, you know, I'll tell you the story. So he was a high school dropout and a self-proclaimed terrible student. He's the last person you'd expect to defend teachers caught up in this contentious debate of reopening schools amidst the pandemic. But the Foo Fighters. Yes, from- yes. exactly. That's it. I know. I know what you're hearing. That's the story. Now it's starting to feel not sound familiar. Yes. Uh, his own mother was a public school teacher. Um, and in an essay published by The Atlantic, which was also released in an audio version on uh, their SoundCloud, he spoke out in support of moves to continue remote learning for the upcoming school year because of the risk of the, the coronavirus poses to countless teachers and educators like his mom. Um, his mom's now 82 and retired, but when she worked as a teacher, she was tirelessly devoted to her, uh, her life to the service of others, both at home and at work. And... Um, from rising before dawn to ensuring that my sister and I were bathed, dressed, and fed in time to catch the bus, to grading papers well into the night, long after her dinner had gone cold, she rarely had a moment to herself. And this was while working multiple jobs to supplement her me- uh, meager $35,000 annual salary, he said. Wow. Yeah. So he talked about her dedication of being an uh, engaging educator, uh, really kind of lifted her up on this pedestal, right? He said it takes a certain kind of person to devote their life to this difficult and often thankless job, and I'm convinced they are as essential as any other essential workers. Some even raise rock stars, right? Um, All right, imagine that. Yeah, noting that several other uh, musicians, Adam Levine, Tom Morello, Haim, and Josh Groban, who were raised by school workers. um, Incredible. Yes. Look at that. Yes. Look at that. So people that have parents that are educators should be pretty excited to hear that. Yeah, so Trump's obviously pushing for schools to reopen in the fall, but a lot of educators and in, in schools are pushing in districts and towns and states and everything. They're, they're pushing back on it because it's not the right time. Um, you know, and, and we're battling with this myself with our, our kids and uh, and like how does this work right how long does this happen like i mean we the only decision for us is to uh, have the kids at home and and be schooling them because it's just not safe and you know exactly i'm not a teacher i'm not a teacher you know my kid's mom is close to one but uh but this is this is not my comfort zone but you know i need to protect my kids i need to protect my family right yeah it doesn't make any sense i mean parents know um, parents know that, you know, from early on, like preschool or daycare or whatever, these places are petri dishes for diseases that spread everywhere, right? One kid brings in the sniffle, and then we got lots of kids with sniffles, and they come home, and the parents get the sniffles. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not much different here, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's pretty rough, so... I don't know. I'm not, I'm not looking forward to school starting back up in a month, but I'll enjoy the next month while I have it and, you know, and then, you know, work my ass off to ensure my kids have what they need to uh, to get through this crazy time that we're in, right, while learning something at the same time. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, I mean, it, it stretches just like it did, you know, last uh, spring. It just it really, really stretches parents. You know, they, they're working from home, and now they're back to working from home and teaching their kids at the same time. I mean, how does that even work? 
Yeah, well, so at least here, my understanding is, like, I mean, the plan was to have teachers go into the classrooms and do the distance learning from the classroom, you know, and then I think a lot of teachers are pushing back on that, you know, because then they're like, okay, well, what happens to our kids then, right? Like, what do we do with what do we do with our kids who need to be yeah. be schooled? Because at least like at the end of last year, as hard as it was, they were, you know, working from home and jug able to juggle schooling with you know kind of teaching their own kids and uh, and getting getting them their kids on track with stuff right but yeah that's not how, the plan wasn't for that to happen here but i think they're pushing back on it and so they might be able to you know work from home at least a bit i i don't know it's it's all up in the air yeah yeah man so when does this whole thing start when is back to school again and uh, one month from now one month so steve what are you going to do in this next month before you yourself find yourself in a situation of possibly homeschooling your kids. I'm going to Disneyland. I'm going to Disneyland. No, not having it. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, Disneyland is another petri dish for spreading diseases. Uh, I don't know. I'm just giving the. I'm trying to give the kids some semblance of reality. Some you know, some childhood you, you know something they'll remember right like we camped on the front lawn last night and we roasted marshmallows and made s'mores and then this today like my son right he's he doesn't get to see his you know he only ha really has one friend and that's my best friend you know joe's son right and uh -huh. and so they they haven't seen each other since this all started and so we're trying to think of creative ways to get them together you know and through virtually so uh -huh. we we facetimed today and uh, and had a virtual scavenger hunt where we found things in our house and you know checked it off on a list and that sort of thing right had the, had the oh, kid, that's fun. kids engaging that way and um and so uh we're trying to do creative things like that right so yeah that's awesome yeah that's uh that's super creative you could even say it's innovative you can even say that. <laughs> I'm sure I'm not the first to do it, but uh, but I'm trying to, you know, trying to get, you know, make sure that at the end of all this, whenever it all ends, my son will have a friend. <laughs> uh, I know, I know. I wonder, and you know, it's 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 so important to keep this kind of stuff up, uh, too. Not just to keep, you know, the kids entertained, uh, but you know, the whole social skills thing, right? And uh, social interactions and language and how to behave you know even if it's just virtual through zoom or whatever it's better than nothing yeah exactly right it's better than nothing but man i hope i hope we can get through this sooner rather than later you know i, I feel yeah. bad for the, for the kids most of all because like us we're finding creative ways to do it do it right like you know i go over i, I have a beer you know with joe once a week usually you know for like an hour and we catch up that way uh you, you know we have the pod yeah. I, I you know i peloton ride with another friend in uh once nice. a week at least you know and that's a way for us to kind of stay connected um so that's another... fantastic yeah uh, you know what one of the things i was going to ask you was more about the peloton now that you have a little bit more experience uh with your bike yeah um if you would be just be so kind to share a story with what it's like to have peloton friends 
don't know how that whole like interaction works. I mean, I don't have Peloton friends. I have six people on my Peloton, so I'm not like this one, you know, that collects a lot of people, you know, who follow him or anything like that. I just, you know, one of my friends, you know, a couple of my friends have Pelotons too, and sometimes I'll ride with them at the same time, or, you know, we'll compare stats or something, you know, whatever. But uh, <laughs> uh, so it's not like you have like uh, you're a competitive guy, you know. So it's yeah. not like you're. Um, you know, you've got the top hundred best people on the leaderboard as on your friends list or however, you know, Peloton works and you're trying to chase after them. No, one of my friends does have a uh, Facebook Peloton group that has thousands of people or something, so he has a ton of people in his friends list or what have you, but I don't know. I'm just I'm doing it for me, you know. I'm not I don't do right. Facebook really and uh and uh so I'm not I'm just not that guy. I don't know. I'm just doing it, you know, and keep holding myself consistent during this crazy, crazy time. So totally doing the Nike thing, man. Just do it. Just do it. Yes. Uh, good words to end with. So, uh, yeah, that's our show for today. So, uh, we don't have something 100% locked in for next week yet, though I do have something in the works. But, you know, we'll keep these shows going. Uh, don't know when concerts will come back, but we're going to we're gonna keep the show on board. So that's our show for today. For all of us here at Concert Pipeline, that's Jen Schiphol. And that is Steve Jones. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>